All right, that was uh, my buddy Kyle and his band, uh, Lady Killer. They're out of Austin, Texas. You can check them out uh, on their Facebook page or whatever. Uh, Kyle, let me get that to play for the intro. It seems appropriate. Later on in the song, there's a, a thing with a motorcycle revving and everything, so I thought it was pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so to get things started today, I think I would talk about uh, what's been going on in my life uh, finally started doing stand up for real when did an open mic uh, like a random message like a, there's a Memphis comedy thing on the Facebook the Facebook like an old man or some shit <laughs> but anyway there's a, um, a page on there and some dude wrote a comment about anybody want to come to Oxford to do an open mic and I was like uh, yeah, it depends on uh, how big is your trunk. And he was like, I don't know. Uh, if I use a chainsaw, I can fit your body in there. And I thought that was really funny. And, and so I riffed off that. And then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go try it out. I ended up being really cool, man. And, and met a bunch of awesome comics. I mean, we only performed for like four people. But we still did it anyway. And, and that made me feel like a real comic. You know, even though it was like I've done these spilled events and a few open mics and stuff like this that but this was a real comic open mic you know uh and like the other guys like my stuff they said i got something there and i just told a couple of stories um but i've been writing a ton of material man like after i went thursday night to uh the pnh cafe they do an open mic there and they have a lot of cool events in memphis if you're ever around go there it's awesome uh but they had open mic on Thursday uh, with a lot of the same comics, so I went to that too, uh, you know. And it's not till nine thirty, so the kids are already in bed, and that doesn't interfere, you know. That's kind of my thing. I'm trying not to take away from the kids, uh, unless it becomes like a real career, you know. And that's all I do is, uh, and then I would make that sacrifices, but there would be like huge chunks of time I would take off, things like that. I'd spend a lot of time with them, uh, but that's just you know, that's the future. Anyway, because I've only done two open mics, it was awesome, dude. And I had the best time there. And, like, even the people bombing, I was just like, that's how you do it, man. You just plow through and you keep doing your thing. And I got up there and told my suicide story, which was crazy. But And the escape from the mental institution. Everybody laughed at that. But I can't hear the laughs. So I got, a, you know, got a lot of good advice from the other comics about how to, you know, they need to start recording yourself. And, um trying new bits and and but don't be afraid to do the same material you're not there to perform for the comics you're there to perform for the audience you know just all this stuff and like that's been kind of my uh block is is like understanding the language of the comedy you know what i mean like what's a tag what's a this you know that kind of stuff and these guys are teaching it to me you know and ladies and and it's just i don't know man it makes me feel like I'm making the right choices for once in life, you know, like, I mean, I knew I was making the right choice, marrying my wife and having kids, and even though I didn't want to have kids when I was growing up, you know, I thought that was, ooh, but we've already gone over that, um, but it just felt like I was making the right choices for once, and I don't know, it's just, and like, the community, I felt so, like, at home around them, and like, these are people who probably I don't know, they say a lot of comics come from fucked up backgrounds. Not everybody, but a lot. And so I can relate to them in a way that I can't relate to my wife, you know, because she comes from from a, a great family. 
you know, pretty, my family is great too, but it's just great in its own dysfunctional way, you know, <laughs> but, uh, so that's really cool, man. Um, mentally, I'm still struggling with the anger issues. Uh, my uh, brother-in-law and them came in town this weekend and they got four kids and the noise puts me on edge. And then I've been on this crazy diet, you know, uh, where I cut everything out. I've lost, I'm down to 165 now. Uh, that's without exercise, just diving. Uh, but it requires a lot of discipline, a whole lot. Uh, so that's nice too. And like me being able to do things like that, I mean, I feel like I'm growing uh, and getting through this, I don't know, whatever it is that's always bothered me. I'm, I'm pushing through it and I'm, I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be. And that's... I always knew I would get there like I thought I would. I just, if I blindly stumble along far enough, I'll, I'll make it there as long as I stay alive. Uh, once I decided that I wanted to still be alive, uh, and it's kind of working out that way. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's nice. It's nice to, to feel at home somewhere like that. I mean, I always feel at home with my wife and my kids, but you know, I've had to I've cut people out of my life so many times, um, mostly because the horrible shit I did to them. They didn't want anything else to do with me. Uh, so, and, but that's happened like two, three times in my life where I just sever ties with groups of people that I spent a lot of time with. Uh, so, this is uh, episode six. Yeah, sorry about the long intro uh, <laughs> of Too Tough to Die. Uh, my name's Mitch, multiple felon. How are you doing? Uh, this episode is coming to you live. Well, it's probably not live for you, but I'm recording it live uh, here in the school where I'm a janitor. Uh, no kids are here, so I'm taking advantage of one of the classrooms and making it in a recording studio. I uh, hope that's not a problem, but uh, it's summertime and my kids are at home all the time and, and I'm having difficulty staying up late or getting up early to record. Uh, because now I just use that time to write material. Um, so I'm going to try to do this. Like after work, I'll stay an extra hour and, and try to record every week. Try to be more consistent with this. Uh, I know I've been letting you guys down. Uh, but I'm doing my best. So we'll get, I got a new arm for my mic. It's really nice. It keeps it at the right position and everything. And I talked to it. Uh, uh, my right partner from prison, you know, he lives here and he's an audio engineer. And I went and checked his studio out one day and we hung out and everything. Uh, just had lunch and he was, um, gave me some recording tips and how to make this sound better and stuff. And uh, hopefully this episode will, will uh, reflect that. Uh, but this is part two of Breaking the Law. <laughs> uh, I think we left off with my sister's boyfriend and all that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, uh, but hanging out with him would lead to a lot more stuff. Um, uh, you know, he was selling a little bit, uh, not a huge amount, but you know, like he'd sell me a 20 sack every once in a while. Um, and vice versa, we'd do it back and forth. But through him, I ran into the guys at the 4th Street, uh, at the ghetto house with the Tourette's and everything. Uh, and that is some for real shit, dude. Uh, like first we were just smoking and drinking weed, uh, smoking and drinking weed, uh, smoking and drinking, uh, 
but it started getting rougher. Um, and cops started showing up and watching us, and you get pulled over if you left there. You know, like, you had to be real slick. We even stopped having to do deals there. Like, you had to meet in other places because that house was so hot. Um, and and violence started happening a lot. Um, you know, like, uh, I hung out with, with baseball kids and band kids and, and that kind of thing. Like, I mean, I went to a couple of field parties where a fight would break out, but it was never anything major. These motherfuckers were throwing down all the time, and it was like... Like they were looking for it, you know, and are looking for you to say something wrong so they could start some shit with you. I remember one night I was riding around with this girl, and uh, we were at the red light, and her and I was a bitch, man. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> like I'm hanging out with hardcore motherfuckers, but I'm not. I'm not by no means. Uh, maybe a little harder now, but back then, for sure not. And the, uh, this dude's girlfriend, or ex-girlfriend or whatever, was in the car with me. And he comes up to me at the red light and is like, get the fuck out of the car. And like trying to snatch me out and shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I take off and go uh, to that same house where that dude jacked the money from me that time. My whole paycheck and shit. Go back there. And I'm like, man, this dude wants to kick my ass. And then like it was his, this other guy's sister and shit. And uh, they're like, don't worry about it, man. Fuck that guy. And he went out, he went out there with that dude's ass, man. Yeah, it was fucked up. Uh, and so, like, they kept giving me shit and calling me a bitch all the time. I was like, you know, stop being such a bitch, Mitch. And and then, of course, that ended up, like, you don't grow up with life with the name Mitch and don't I get called Mitch the bitch. Uh, and especially if you don't like violence. <laughs> I don't think I'm harping on that a little too much. So we were hanging out there. Uh, and shit starts getting rough there. And so I decided I'm going to stop hanging out with these guys for a little while. And start hanging out with some, uh, like a buddy of mine who was in the Boy Scouts. He had a younger brother, two younger brothers. He didn't party or anything, but they did. Uh, parents drank pretty heavy and smoked a little bit and stuff like that. So I started hanging out with them a lot uh, and going over there. Uh, and just basically another surrogate, you know, I went from the Methodist, got kicked out of the Methodist preacher's house, so I started hanging out with these people and their kids, uh, and and it was cool, man, like, their mom would cook food for us all the time, and, and uh, like, they never, I was never unwelcome for years, even, like, coming in drunk and fucking DUIs, and, like, I would drink their booze when they weren't looking, and, and just, just voracious, steal their weed, that kind of stuff. Uh, and they were already in lower class and struggling. You know, he worked in a furniture plant. She did the worked in a garment factory, uh, and they had three kids, uh, and so life was pretty tough for them. Uh, and then here's all these other this other kid coming around trying to eat all their food, and I wasn't the only one. There's a bunch of people used to come on. You know, I would just do that. I would collect those places, houses to go to, places to hang out, and and just to stay away from home. Uh, so I started hanging over there, and that's when my drinking gets really good. Uh, I'd, I'd been drinking vodka for a year or two, uh, and I got busted with some buddies. Uh, had a couple of rifles, and we were really drunk, and it was a big fucked up situation. My sister was with me and her boyfriend. You know, I can't remember if I told this story or not. Uh, I should have went back and listened to some other episodes before I did this. Uh, but I, I've been having a hard time finding a spot to record, so just really wanted to get it done today um but anyway so i'm hanging out over there we get busted and we had to spend like four or five days in the in the juvie and shit uh which was fucked up uh but 
So I had, I had to stop hanging out with those people. And so I started hanging out with them. Uh, there was this one time, uh, these two, uh, these twins who, uh, they came from out of town, but they had brothers that lived there, like half brothers or something. I thought they were real cool. I started hanging out and shit. And, uh, um, I skateboarding, you know, I thought I was all right, but I couldn't really do much shit. Uh, but they were pretty good. And, uh, I remember this one time I was going to, uh, North Carolina. My adopted father's grandmother, she used to run this nursing home. Uh, I think I've talked about that out of her house. Uh, and so she had sold it and sold the property and everything, needed to move everything out. So we were going to go up there. He wasn't going. Her fucking son didn't go. But m- my mom, who was divorced from the guy, and and uh, me and my sister all go to help. Uh, <laughs> so we're about to go on the trip, and they're like, they had borrowed my skateboard for like a month. You know, you know how I was very susceptible to quick uh, mind games and shit back there, back then. Uh, and so they quickly talked me into letting them borrow it. And for like a really long, like every day, I'd be like, what's up with my skateboard, man? Oh, we're still using it, man. You know, let us keep it. You know, I wanted to be friends with them and everything, so I let it happen. Well, we were about to go on this trip to North Carolina, and I would always take a skateboard with me. Every year we went, uh, we went twice a year, so I'd always take one with me. Uh, so I was like, what's up, man? I got to have that board back. I went over to their house. Uh, to their trailer and everything, and they're they were they're like, "Fuck you, man! You can't have this shit." Uh, and so I just took it and like took off on my bike, running and shit. And they chased me and fucking ran to my house and freaking out because uh, I was afraid to get my ass kicked. I was a big coward. Uh, I'd been in a few fights, but I was a bitch. Uh, it was an appropriate name. <laughs> so the next day they come and like I got that shop out there. Where, I got, uh, where all that shit went down with my sister's boyfriend and I'm hanging out out there and they show up and they're like hey man what's up you know you want to smoke or whatever and we get high and, and uh, we're chilling and, and they've positioned themselves in the right place and and then they start interrogating me about the skateboard and like what the fuck you gotta have it man we need it and I'm like it's my fucking skateboard motherfucker and the one brother's like oh shit and the other one's like oh that's one thing he can't stand to be caught and fucking steals on me man clocks me knocks me down on the couch the couch for my girl and I'm like what the fuck you know that's bullshit and uh when I was the end of it, they didn't take the skateboard. I didn't, wouldn't let them take it. Like, I just held on to it. I was like, you're not fucking taking it. You can swing on me again, but you're not fucking taking it. It's mine. Uh, and so, that was it. But later on, um, you know, we'd hang out a bunch and get fucked up together. And they gave me my very first tattoo. It was homemade. Uh, and it was fucking like everybody else just got their initials or like a little dragon thing. I was like, fuck it. And got like a half sleeve of mushroom caps. It was stupid. Looked like shit. <laughs> I mean, that one brother got in another fight later on and did some fucked up shit when I was drunk. I think he tried to hit on his wife or something. It's pretty fucked up. <sighs> I'm an idiot. So, uh, anyway, after a couple of years of hanging out with that crew, uh, in my hometown, uh, it kind of kind of boring to me. Uh, I got a bunch of DUIs and shit wasn't going. You know, like around that time is when I started getting DUIs, uh, about 19. Uh, 
And so I started hanging out with the other crew again and started doing like for real fucked up shit. Like they were had graduated on selling coke. Uh, and I started hanging out with this one guy uh, who's the big dealer for that and uh, he's pretty good at it um, but I came up with this idea for the $60 gram uh, we were riding around one doing like an eight ball like he liked to hang out with me and do coke and like he would come pick me up and shit like way to my house way in the middle of fucking nowhere he would drive like 45 minutes pick me up and then we would ride around do powder all fucking night and two three days binges and shit and like I don't know he just liked having me around uh, I think that's part of why I like the group accepted me, uh, cause he always did, and this is the same crew I used to drink vodka with and all that shit, and like, the 4th Street Ghetto House guys, um, but they had moved on, uh, so we were doing powder a lot then, uh, staying up three or four days, that type of shit, and, uh, started doing them, you know, anything they did, I would do, we did mushrooms for the first time with them, I did, uh, meth for the first time with them, I did, uh, acid i don't know a bunch of shit fucking pretty much everything i ever did i did for the first time with them especially lots of pills and shit he was big in xanax and he used to play this game at his apartment where he would just take a handful of them and throw them across the room and however many he caught in your mouth that's however many he got and then like at the end when he got started getting low he just dig through the couches which he never got low anyway but if you were desperate, you could reach the couch cushion and always get a couple of zannies out of there. Uh, but I didn't really like them, man. They made, especially with the drinking, you'd black out and you wouldn't remember what you had done. Like, I was already blackout drinking by then. Uh, by about 19, I was I was building up pretty good. Because um, I was working in furniture plants, and, and furniture plants, they don't care. You can get drunk all day uh, as long as you get the fucking furniture made. I, I was... Uh, Supply and line at this one plant that had caught on fire years ago. It's called the Kingsport plant. There's a huge fire a long time ago. My mama used to work there too. Uh, and I think my adopted dad drove a, fork, a forklift there. Um, but so I go, uh, I'm working there, supply and line, and uh, a lot of the guys on the line are dealers too, you know. And uh, uh, so I start getting like a gram of powder, which is $100. Uh, and then stepped on like a motherfucker, but I started getting that fronted and then on payday you pay your check, you know, whatever and So like every Friday out in the parking lot There'd be a hundred motherfuckers running around trying to collect everybody's checks and shit because everybody was fronting each other and shit uh, And and I never learned that lesson from that dude taking my check getting shit fronted uh, When it came to powder now, I never fronted weed or anything like that again But powder was a different story because you'd run out like I'd get a gram fronted on Monday and then uh, do it in the fucking bathroom before the day was over and get another gram before it's time to go home and then come back the next day instead of just getting the eight ball, which is cheaper. Uh, you know, they hit you $100 a pot for a gram and you get the eight ball for like $150. Uh, but I was stupid. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I don't even know if my check was that much. Um, but so I'd end up owing my whole check. You know, after about three days, you kind of had enough of the powder and you'll stop spending your money or you'll eventually run out of money you know like every time i ever did it i fronted it up to where they wouldn't front me anymore or i then and so that's how like uh that guy becoming a coke dealer really kind of saved me was because um we were riding around one night doing a ball uh, which he would always do with me for no charge you know he'd do all this shit with me just for fun uh and we we're riding around one night and I 
like he explains to me what he's paying for it and I was like oh man if you're paying that for it you know he was bitching about getting a uh, quarter gram to death uh, people you know fiends and shit coming at him let me get a quarter man let me get a quarter which ain't shit and it's a pain in the ass to break it down and all this kind of shit and, and he's like then they just coming right back I hour later wanting another one and I was like well if you take uh, your grams sell them for 60 then probably two or three of those guys will get together and get a whole gram together and then you ain't gotta do that bullshit you just sell grams and it worked man he made a fucking ton of money off of it uh, don't know if I told this story again see I fucking I should listen uh, but anyway um, so he would just do all his power with me for free so that kind of saved me on that shit, uh, but uh, that's really like I would just start doing more and more, like making further and further and further worse steps. I remember this one time, uh, first time I ever tripped mushrooms. Uh, I was hanging out with the guys who would later become meth cooks and shit, and I would, you know, that's where I'd do all my meth with them because I was buddies with them. I mean, it's just how I always find myself in those situations where I'm. Because uh, I never, I would buy as much as I could afford, and then I'd run out of money. But I never was the dealer or the cook. You know, I would try to do it, but I'd always fuck that up and do all my supply. I'm not a very good criminal. Uh, <laughs> I'm good drunk though. Uh, well, I'm not good at that either because I like to drive and get DUIs. Um, but uh, and those are also criminal uh, enterprises, but. That's not like what I consider breaking the law. I mean, it is against the law to drink and drive, but like I'm talking about intentionally doing crimes for for benefit or profit or whatever, you know that kind of shit. Um, but uh, they're pretty rough and ready. They weren't fucking around, and uh, so like uh, the first time I ever did mushrooms. Sorry, lost my train. I keep hearing these noises. I'm in the school, and there's still people kind of banging around. I'm like, oh, is that somebody coming in? Because I'm going to explain to them. I'm explaining. I'm recording my felonious Mitch podcast because I try to keep that on the DL. You got me. Uh, <laughs> putting it out to the world, but I keep it a secret for my coworkers. <laughs> nah, I showed some of them. But, you know, I mean, I got the job with the record, so everybody knows. So, But anyway, <clears throat> first time I tripped mushrooms. Me and my buddies are hanging out at my house. Um, and I wake up that morning, and my mom is already gone. Like, before I had woke up that day, she had already left. Uh, and I think we had been drinking that night or something, so they're there with me. Uh, so we all wake up, and like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, let's go riding. And we take off, and we're heading to town. And we're cutting down this back road, and there's a cow pasture. And dude's like, look, fuck mushrooms. And we stop. And we start looking, and they are everywhere, man. I bet we picked a thousand caps. I mean, no, I'm not over-exaggerating on this. We went back two days later in the moonlight and picked twice as many. It was just, and I never that field never produced again, but it just that day, it was, it was on. And uh, so we get a bunch of shrooms. We go back to my house. We make up a, like a gallon of Kool-Aid and everything. Do it. Start tripping hard. And like... I'm fucking losing it. My grandma comes over and like I had to explain to it. Like I go in there and I'm about two, three hours into the trip, man. I got the giggles bad and and just you know I'm fucked up. And I go in there, her face is all melting off and shit. And I'm like, 
She's like, what's the matter with you? And I'm like, and who are those boys? Are y'all drinking? Because, like, they're always harping on me because I was drinking way too much back then. And I was like, no, no, Grandma, we're just hanging out. And and she wouldn't leave, and, and she was in there cleaning and shit. And I was like, Grandma, you got to leave. You got to leave. And she's like, what is this going on? And I was like, I can't tell you. You just got to get the fuck out of here and leave me alone for the rest of the day, please. And she's like, okay. And she left. <laughs> but, yeah, I was tripping fucking balls, dude. And, like, I'm talking about it was all I could do to hold it together. So then I'm like, uh, one of the guys is like, I'm tired of being in this house. I want to go outside. So he, and then we're both like, no, don't go outside. He goes outside and fucking a long time goes by. Like when you're tripping, time is really slow. But this shit was, it had been a long time. And so we go out there to check on him. He's staring at this guy and shit. And they're like, I told you, man, not to come out here. And we all end up staring at this guy. So, um, and, and, some point you get a lot of energy and you want to do shit so we decide to get behind the fucking wheel again and we go into town to run in you know to go hang out with people on the loop and that's still going on and uh uh first car we run into it's another friend of ours and he's like he has fucking tripping and we're like no just giggling and shit yeah, it's obvious when you're tripping balls your pupils are fucking blown out and oh got a shit ain't green on your face and you're sweaty and uh he's like no he's like yes you are tell me where they are and so we did and we led him to the field and picked even fucking more filled up a whole like coleman cooler full of caps go back to my house and you gotta remember like i didn't know what where my mom was i didn't know when she was coming back it was a saturday and so there's no she could come in at any time and like we had already made our shrooms, cleaned them up, and started tripping. And here we are in another situation. So he wants to come back to my house to clean them all up and everything. And like he starts telling other people, find out about it. And in the end, like 10 people are at my house all tripping. And like he's got the both sinks are full of caps. And he's got every boulder going on the stove, um, making Kool Aids. And then like uh washing caps to save them and dehydrate them later and like i'm deep into my trip like they haven't even started tripping yet i'm way gone and i'm freaking out man i'm like what is happening what are y'all doing in my house because there's all this noise and crazy shit going on and he's like don't worry about it man i'm gonna take care of it and everything's gonna be fine but the whole time my mom could walk in at any moment and i was freaking you know, there wasn't nothing I could do about it. I was out of my mind. and uh, But he did, man. He took care of everything, cleaned it all up. And, and we went uh, we went to town and gave, like, we went to the Piggly Wiggly parking lot and gave everybody we ran into. And, like, we had a crew, about 30 people back then, mushrooms. And so, like, we're all, like, laid out on our cars and shit in the parking lot, tripping. And, like, a fight almost broke out between some drunk people that weren't associated with us and the cops show up and my ass is like i'm gonna be the ambassador and fucking go over there and talk them into the fucking off like they left and left us alone for the rest of till the sun came up with we sat out there tripping till the sun came up they never said a fucking word to us after that one incident i was like they don't have nothing to do with us and we're not we're just out here enjoying life man and they're like okay whatever I couldn't believe it worked, but they did. They left us the fuck alone. They never ran us off or anything. Um, 
uh, another time we went hunting for shrooms, uh, we went to this antebellum house uh, out in Aberdeen. And it was, it's like not in town. It's way the fuck out there. And they had a bunch of caps, man. But the dude was aware of what people were doing. You know, like the farmer knew people were there getting uh, mushroom caps to get fucked up on. And so he saw us out there in the field, dude. He comes out, boom, with a 12-gauge. What the fuck are y'all doing? Starts running like he's got a truck. And he takes off into the field after us. <laughs> Fucking, we're running, man. And our buddy, who was driving, he was in the, his mom's minivan. And he had a... Uh, he was cutting the block. I mean, it's a bigger than a block. It's like a country back road. But he was making circles around the property. And, like, every once in a while he'd come through. But we had our shirts full of caps and shit. You know, like you hold the tail of your shirt out uh, in the front, you know, and fill it up. Like you collect rocks and shit when you're a kid. And we're fucking running through the veil full of fucking caps, man. And like, one guy, he veered off into the woods, like, through a creek and shit. We didn't see him again till way later. Two of them, I think it was, they went that way. And, like, they ended up having them wade, like, neck deep through some shit. Like, swampy shit. Like, fucking Stand By Me style to get the fuck out of there. Uh, but me and uh, another friend, I hate I can't say people's names, but I would never do that. But uh, me and another friend, we're running on, like, the field. The road is lower than the field. And there's a big barbed wire fence right there, but there's a gap big enough between, and like, you know, they come and bring the bulldozers and, and uh, or the front end loaders and scrape out the banks, you know, for the road. And so they had recently done that, and so there's a big gap between the bottom line of barbed wire and that, and I'm talking about fucking, like, Jason Bourne style, dude. I jumped and dove in between that gap, dude, and slid me and both guys, and the van pulls up at the same time, and they got the passing the sliding doors open and I like slid down the leaves and hit the ditch and jumped like used the same momentum to fly into the van and and my buddy did the same like we both did the same trick and like he went into the third row and I went into the middle row and we fucking took off man and I'm like hours later we're sitting there tripping at the house you know and then dude walks, the other two guys come in soaking fucking wet and explain the whole story oh, it was fucking crazy man uh, so those are a few law-breaking incidences, uh, trespassing in the lot, and uh, and if I ever got caught with that shit, that's life. Well, I don't know if shrooms are life. I know acid is. A, you get in a lot of trouble for that shit. Um, um, once they would, uh, we'd all start cooking meth and stuff. Uh, things had gotten a lot uh, more intense, like. Uh, the group got smaller and we kind of stopped hanging out on the loop and all that kind of like those are drinking and smoking weed things uh we were we were tweaking pretty hard uh and i was working at a furniture plant and uh at a different plant this time one that my mom had worked in she broke her arm in there uh, this one's called penthouse and a dude got killed by a train too uh it was his last day and like people don't really retire from furniture and usually die or some shit or try to find a way to fuck you out of it like the company will go bankrupt and they'll reopen the same plant a month later under a different name. You know, you lose all your vacation time, all that shit. It's fucking crooked as shit. And that's why it's down in Mexico or in China and shit now. That's why it's it's fucked up industry. Uh, just because of practices like that. Uh, but uh, 
so this dude was going to retire. And back then, they still loaded some furniture on the rail because Amory's a railroad town, like I talked about. So he, it's his last fucking day of work, and they had been making him do this shit work around there, you know, and just try to get him to quit, and he wouldn't. And he goes out there, and they're like, we can't get this rail car open. Go out there and open it. And so he goes to pull the door open, and it fucking comes off the track and squishes him, man. Kills him instantly. It was fucked up. And so, like, I'm working at that. And there's all these ghost stories and shit about that place. Like, all those furniture plants have deaths and shit like that that take place in there. Um, so, uh, and I almost broke my arm working there, too. That's fucked up. Uh, but uh, the dude that ran the plant, uh, not the owner of the company, but his son-in-law was a huge fucking cook. Big time. And, like, uh... I saw some crazy fucking shit. It took a while before they would let me really see what that was like. They would always make me sit in the car and wait and shit, and then they'd come back with shitload up. Like, I would sit there for hours in the fucking backseat of dude's car just waiting. I'm fucking, it's crazy. And just patience. <laughs> I don't know. And you want it, you want it, I guess. And, and like, I wouldn't have to pay for it, so it didn't matter. They'd be in there cooking or whatever. I don't know. Um... But eventually it started letting me come around. I saw some of the labs and shit and how fucking elaborate it was. We had to go to some uh, um, uh, cornfields. Uh, they used to spray this chemical anhydrous on there. And they would, something that, I don't know how they do it. But they used it in the process. So they got a lot of it. And like, I would always be on the lookout for cornfields or wherever you would see the the barrels of the chemicals because farmers just kind of leave it around uh, until they got hip to what was going on uh, but for a while they didn't get hip man and a lot of shit was made and uh, I remember one day we were working in the farm and uh, there's a uh, we had backed up you know like there was a line that had to be out every year there's the furniture market uh, and there's some shit that had to get done you know and uh, the plant manager comes out there and who's the cook you know he's like anybody that's willing to stay till this shit that gets done gets an eight ball I'm like fuck yeah a bunch of people stayed too and we got that shit done <laughs> uh, and there was another dude that worked there or who ran like the warehouse part and he was an even bigger one he ended up murdering his wife years later and shit and it was fucked up that dude had an affair with my uncle's wife like my uncle came they were like best friends my uncle who's passed away now uncle tommy r.i.p uh <laughs> he's cool shit uh, but anyway he comes home one day from work and there he is having a, you know, they're fucking and shit and he caught the, caught him in the act and then she left him and then they stayed together for years but then they broke up and then there was a bunch of fucked up shit that went down uh about that dude uh but anyway I never had any, you know, he was always cool with me. I never had a problem with him. Uh, but he did murder his wife. <laughs> so, uh, um, I think she might have ratted on him or something. Uh, so, uh, that's the environment I'm living in. And, like, in that furniture plant, I started, uh, taking a lot of lower tabs and painkillers and shit because that work was a lot harder and, uh, um, it's the only job I kept for a whole year. Uh, I got fired on my birthday from the same dude, the plant manager. He was like, uh, I had left some uh, pieces of furniture laying where the water was dripping from the air conditioner on it. 
and he had told me once to get it out of the way, but it had only been like 10 minutes later, and he told me again, because I, I was in the middle of switching my line over, which is a very fucked up process. Like, you got to hustle because they had ran out of whatever they were supposed to be running. They ran out of arms or backs or whatever. So you got to switch everything over, frames, everything. It's a fucking bitch. And uh, so I'm in the middle of that, and he's giving me, he just random sees me. He's like, get that out of the way. And I'm like, i get in a minute, and if I can keep going. And he sees me again, he's like, fucking fired <laughs> I thought I told you to get that shit out of the way this is my birthday and shit it's fucked up but uh so I started doing a lot more pills meth doing pretty good bit of meth and stayed up for three weeks one time uh and we started hanging uh, a friend of mine whose uh grandfather ran some furniture plants he had a trailer uh that he was just letting him stay in that he used to rent it out to people but he was letting him his grandson stay in it uh, so he just basically made that mess central and fucking tweak out there for days. And, like, uh, I was always a bum, like I said. And uh, they would have fucked with me and make me just sit outside. Like, they'd all go in the bathroom and go in another room and do it. Because I would have to sit and wait patiently for him to say, Hey, you want to bump? Hey, you want to lie? You know, hey, you want to hit this? And just, <laughs> it's fucked, man. Uh, but I would do it, dude. That's just me. Because I'd, I'd spend most of my check on beer like i'm still drinking this whole time too that's the other like still like at that furniture plant job i was hitting my case of day days like i wake up at six in the morning drinking because i got the shakes and shit and like every other drug i ever did i was always drunk too you know like it that never stops um uh you know i got busted a bunch and and for little shit, possession of marijuanas and, and all my DUIs, of course. Um, I'll go through it. I wrote a bit for my stage and shit. That's a list of them. It's like a whole piece, and I just call it the 7D one. Um, eventually, I got enough arrests and things like that where that shit's over with. And I got my third DUI. I was riding with a buddy who was in Halo because he hit a horse and fucking broke his neck. Um, and uh, we were going to this party. Some party is supposed to be legendary or whatever. And uh, I'm fucking missed the turn, man. Had to make a U-turn and turn right in front of a fucking sheriff's deputy and pulled me over immediately. Never made it to the party or any of that shit. Fucking DUI. And uh, somebody had to come get my friend. It was fucked up. Uh, the Dirty Sanchez, which is uh, a friend of mine coined that phrase because it smells like shit in there all the time. You know, like if you get a dirty Sanchez, your lips got shit on it, so you would smell shit all the time. So if you're riding in that car, it smells like shit all the time. So dirty Sanchez. Uh, <laughs> but got a uh, got that third DUI man, and uh, had to do. See, I sat in the whole county for a while, bonded out, uh, and then got a public defender and put it off for like a year, uh, and. Uh, finally came down they're gonna give me house arrest and so i got a year house arrest for that and to avoid uh the having to wear the bracelet the whole time i went to like a long-term rehab uh for five months it cost me a fucking shitload of like had to pay a pretty good bit up front my parents and and uh step parents everybody kind of pulled together i guess and paid for me to go uh, but after the 42 days, they give you a job, and then you had to fucking pay for that shit. Like, they take 
a big chunk of your check. And I was making it like as a production job. It was real boring. I made pretty good money. Uh, and they were taking like 60% of my check every week to pay for your room and board and all that and I stayed an extra month it's only supposed to be there for 42 days plus three months of the long term part and I opted for another month because I was afraid to come back out in the world uh, but that is a story for another time I was doing shitload of myth <laughs> I don't know man there's just so many of those I'm, I mean it's breaking the law is what I'm trying to to say but there's just so many different times i mean how the fuck i mean so we so coke so meth uh helped participate in the cooking and procuring of said chemicals uh for those processes i fucking stole uh, one time i had a nervous breakdown and stole my mom's car and drove to north carolina when i was on uh, after i got put on house arrest for that fel for that felony dui uh, I was on probation and I had relapsed and started drinking again and had like a I don't know just a fucking meltdown or something and wrote this huge note and I don't know where it is I'm afraid to get it from my mom because I don't want to know what it says and the state of my mind I was real suicidal at that time uh, and instead of killing myself I figured I'd run because I was afraid I was going to fuck up get arrested because I was already drinking again and I was still on probation and I was smoking weed and I'm doing all these pills cooking meth doing, you know like I was afraid I was going to go down for some serious shit because a lot of my buddies from that original crew that I uh, the 4th Street Ghetto crew uh, they had started going down for serious shit and doing like real time and fucking uh, you know uh, uh, the coke dealing friend of mine, he ended up getting 15 years, I think, for math. So, I mean, like, shit was getting rough. And so, uh, getting that third UI was actually probably what saved me from, from going to the, down that same path of that, you know, like getting caught up in it. Um, even though I wasn't, I mean, I guess I was just as liable as everybody else. Uh, it's just, I don't know you try to remove yourself from it because it seems like it was so long ago but you're doing the same shit they're doing and those guys they weren't bad guys or anything i mean life just fucking sometimes especially if you're born with a certain mentality and you get in the right situations you know like they didn't have a, a um dui to put them on house arrest to make them go to rehab or they didn't have a you know anybody to help them bail out or anybody to help them do this you know like i put a thousand bucks one time on my own i remember that god it just came to me that's why that dude gave me free coke all the time wasn't my stupid 60 dollar gram ideas because i fucking put up like i go fifteen hundred dollars to get him out once ah oh. huh but you know i mean he was a great friend of mine i named my daughter after him part of it part of her name is after uh, I wonder what he's doing now I ran into him one time at the uh, at the movie oh God, what was it called like a blockbuster back when you still ran DVDs it wasn't VHS it was DVDs but I ran into him uh, that was after I got out of prison I think God, I can't remember. no I went in prison that was after uh, when I went to college yeah. 
sorry man my head's been focused on writing comedy and stuff and i hadn't been doing this kind of long form talking like when i was hanging out with the other comics uh they always want to say something too <laughs> you know and i'm not good at that <laughs> so it's, it's something i'm working on trying to be a better listener too uh, I ignore people here's another big one uh that guy who took uh, my whole check a long time ago when I got that sack of weed from him. Uh, this one day, we're hanging out, and he's like, uh, hey, man, you want to go, uh, can, we, can we take a ride somewhere? Got to go pick something up. I'm like, sure. And he brings his duffel bag with him. I'm like, what the fuck is that for? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, so we ride uh, up to uh, Egypt, which is a place on White Rock Road. No shit. Uh, a long time ago. Uh, uh, there were a bunch of trailers out there, and there's a few dudes that like race pit bulls and shit like that. Um, but he was going to pick something up, you know what I mean? And uh, so we get there, and he's like, uh, he hands me this sawed-off shotgun, and he's like, hey, man, if anybody comes out of there, you need to uh, start blasting. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm just freaking the fuck out. Like, what the fuck have I got myself into? But at that point, I had already crossed a lot of lines, uh, and I didn't really give much of a fuck. I had had that wreck, um, and it kind of shifted me and made it me made me more reckless and more willing to, to break major laws instead of just little laws. You know? That's kind of when that when all that started going down. Uh, but I was like, all right, whatever. Fucking wrecked it and sit there waiting. I mean, I know how to use it, so whatever. He's like, it's probably not gonna happen, but you never know. <laughs> And uh, but everything goes down fine or whatever. And he comes out and dudes even like, hey, yeah, come check out my pit bulls and fucking like I saw that shit. That was cool. I mean, he had uh, like three different breeding lines and a ton of them out there. I mean, it was uh, and they were all treated well. And you, you know, like sometimes you see shit like that, and those dogs are fucking rough looking. Uh, and like he wasn't breeding them to fight. And he was just breeding them like he was just that's how, that was his other hustle, you know slinging and pit bulls nothing wrong with that uh, it was the first guy I ever met who was into like crotch rockets and shit too he could fucking like ride his bike on the front wheel and all that shit that was pretty cool <laughs> but uh so we're coming back from that shit and he's like I don't know I guess the adrenaline wasn't enough for him cause he would take even more risk than me he was like let's see what this motherfucker will do and there's this huge hill cotton gin hill uh, where i'm from and we're coming down there and like i'm got the pedal to the metal man uh and 95 jeep cherokee baby but it had been doing 140 because like it would only do it only said 85 i don't know how fast we we're going but it was already right back around to zero and like i see a fucking yellow strip go by and it's a highway patrol and he turns around man to pursue but we were already going so fast fucking made it back to his house didn't get caught or anything uh, uh he went down several times for shit um for big shit uh i think they even got him because he was a big into guns and shit too and like ak-47s and stuff i think i've said that uh and later on after he had done time uh, once you're a felon you get 10 years mandatory if you get caught with a gun unless you're like a snitch or some shit and you can whittle out of it but um he got busted uh slanging and had a fucking firearm after being a felon and got an extra 10 for, for man that's fucked up i think i might have saw him one more time he got out i don't know 
saw him in the parking lot of that furniture plant once and he told me about the time he did and then I never saw him again uh but uh so that's another you know like I'm I'm kicking it with some pretty rough rough guys mm, they're all cool except for taking my check and shit <laughs> uh ah uh, what else being a felon sucks that's what else being a fucking felon sucks oh I know too tough to die I didn't tell as many breaking the law stories as I thought I would uh this too tough to die story is a drug related too tough to die story so I was on a big bender I'd been drinking for Mm. I don't know, I was on a 10-year bender, but I mean, like, I was especially drinking hardcore, like, uh case and a half a day instead of a case. Like, this is right toward the end of my drinking, like, when I get my third DUI and all that. Like, I'm spiraling out of control as far as the drinking goes. Um, so, uh, and I was working in the furniture plant, and I had a lot of uh, this dude sells me his whole 30-day script of lower tabs. Uh, and I think it was, like, two a day or something. So 60 of them bitches. And uh, I, you know, you start drinking at 6 in the morning at the furniture plant. So I drank half a case by quitting time uh, and had eaten about five or six of those tabs. Uh, then immediately left and went to the beer store. got two more cases of beer uh, and drank better part of one of those cases. And I not really sure but I just kept eating the pills like you forget like I was already so drunk when I started taking them I'd forgotten that I would take them you know like I'd take two and, and be like you know 30 minutes later it's kind of like when you're drinking and smoking cigarettes and you just forget oh fuck it smoke another one and uh, so I'd like oh well fuck and take two more like did I take one 30 minutes ago and take two more and I woke up the next I don't know um, I passed out at the dining room table like we were all sitting around bullshitting like you tend to hang out in the kitchen in those situations uh, and so I'm like at the little breakfast nook table and fucking just plop my head on the thing and passed out and I wake up the next day they've all left for work and everything like they went to work that day and I couldn't I couldn't even be woken up and I wake up and I'm like I'm covered in piss because I'd um, I'm like what the fuck I thought it was just because I got so drunk um, but then, like, there's shit on my clothes, and, like, uh, there's a foul smell coming off of me. And, uh, because uh, I was peeled, they just have a, and I got a fucked up taste in my mouth from that. Yeah. And so, like, bile is kind of coming up, and I go run in the bathroom and throw up. Uh, uh, I've pissed all over myself, you know, and, and I puke up, like, basically neon blue, because I was taking the tins, which are blue. Uh, but it's real concentrated, and just, like, a little bit of it comes up. And so uh, um, I was like, what the fuck? You know, and so, so I look at my, I was like, where's them tabs at? And I started looking, man, and then 30 of them motherfuckers are gone. Like, I took 30 of those bitches and what, because I was real, like, I wouldn't let anybody near the bottle, you know. I kept them in my pocket the whole time, my hand on it. Like, nobody even knew I had them. I was taking them in secret the whole time. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I, I, I probably OD'd. And if it wouldn't have been for, like, me having my head down, because I think I probably puked on myself, but it was nothing but beer. And, like, it may not even been piss on me. That's coming to me now, too. 
because it was like it was up to my chest and so I wonder if I would just puked a bunch of fucking beer all over me in my sleep but if I would have been uh, if I wouldn't have been passed out on that table just leaning on my forehead if I'd have been laying down or something like that I probably would have choked on my vomit and died so that's uh I don't know if that's toughness or what but I mean 30 fucking lower tabs in one night on top of a case and I have a drink and, and then I still ended up finished off that other case that day uh, I passed out by 6 o'clock in the, before the sun went down that night uh, I was done and then I slept for like two solid days so I'm pretty sure I, I OD'd I don't know if I didn't feel right for a while and that's probably the last time I abused uh painkillers except for uh my knee surgery had my second knee surgery and i took a whole script in one day took 30 again uh maybe a day and a half something like that just ate every fucking one of them and my wife had to go into a real rough part of memphis to get the script refilled it was pretty fucked up she was pissed at me um uh, let's see there's more breaking the law stuff i can do um but i just kind of it's getting about time to go, and I gotta get home and play with the kids. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you're in the Memphis area, I will be performing uh, at the open mic at PH Cafe every Thursday at 9 30. Uh, there's pretty good comics that come. Uh, there's another Spill It event June 25th, I believe. Uh, it's, it's at like 7. Uh, I'll be, if my name gets pulled, I'll be doing that, but I'm probably going to be focusing a lot on the stand-up and as I learn more uh, of Mike's dates and maybe if I even start getting booked and stuff I mean I know I'm a long way from that uh, uh, I'm not delusional by any means uh, but still it's nice nice to think about that stuff man that'd be fucking awesome dude it'd be so awesome uh, but anyway so uh, everybody take it easy uh, later.